Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Delighted to be with you today. And we're going to take a look at not going it alone and how it is that we can form great partnerships to help us to scale fast. With us today is Joel Fine. He is a real estate investor, syndicator, and developer. He's a general partner in 1,200 doors, limited partner in over 17,000 doors across 15 states, and he has been a principal in ground-up development projects spanning 157 acres. His acute business expertise developed over 30-plus years career in high-tech as business owner, entrepreneur, executive program manager, and engineer. And we are so glad to have you with us today, Joel. So take us into the show and share an experience from your formative years that may have helped you to be who you are today. Thank you very much, Alan, and I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk to you. Yeah, as far as a formative experience, I guess the one that I would point to as the top of mind would be the birth of my oldest daughter back in 1993. So she's coming up on 30 years old now. But uh, back when I transitioned from a married man with no kids to a father with a family, I guess that would be one of the most formative experiences of my life. That was a real transitional period for me, just uh, giving me a, a, a very different motivation, a different reason pursuing my interest working on my career, developing my skills, uh, really changed my motivation and my level of, of interest and you know, gave me a different uh, reason why to do things, why to get up in the morning. Yeah. Well, interesting, Joe. Tell us a little bit more about that uh, that transitional point in your life. I mean, kids, a birth of a child <laughs> changes your life in so many ways. But what was most meaningful to you about that uh, that transition? I guess it, it just changed my perspective on why I was doing things. Before, it was really just all about me and my wife making our lives effective and efficient and acquiring the things that we wanted or needed to exist. And now instead, it was more of now I had a connection to the future in a way that I hadn't before. I now have four kids and those four kids eventually may have kids of their own. And so now the things that I do, I think of in terms of generations, not just in terms of, you know, how can this satisfy what I want or what I need or make my life more comfortable? Now it's more about how can I create generational wealth? How can I make sure that my family is well secured and positioned to thrive over many, many decades, uh, not wow. just years? Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. You know, I wish, I wish more CEOs and company owners would look to the future. It seems like most are looking to tomorrow's profits and at most uh, next year's profits. And I think our whole world suffers uh, because of that particular mindset. Yeah, there is kind of a short-term perspective yeah. from a lot of people that I think folks could take a, a little broader view and, and maybe benefit from that. Yeah, for sure. Well, you started in small multifamily and then you discovered syndication. Tell us just a little bit, Joel, about uh, those beginning days and why did you start with, uh, multi with small multifamily and not with syndication? 
Yeah. So at first I had kind of a layman's understanding of real estate, which was if I want to get into real estate, I have to go find a property that I can afford to buy. I can rent it out. I read books on that to figure out how to be either a landlord or to hire a property manager. But it was all of a scale that I could handle, that I could do by myself. And that was really, I guess, one of my limiting beliefs that I had to overcome as I transitioned from small to large multifamily is that I believed at first that I had to do everything on my own. So I would look at properties that I could afford, not the whole purchase price in cash, but at least a down payment. So if I could afford the down payment on a property, then you know that that was sort of the qualification, the start of the filtering to say, hey, is this a property that I can consider investing in? So it really wasn't realistic for me to look at large multifamily, you know, hundred unit apartments or anything near that scale. So I started out with single family and then you know, small multifamily, duplexes, triplexes, quads in the Midwest, you know, properties that I could afford to to swing on my own, mostly looking for cash flow, looking for to build that portfolio and with potentially a little bit of appreciation along the way. Pretty early on, I was buying these properties, but I was also learning about about the syndication model and developing an understanding of it. So it wasn't very long until I started shifting my focus towards the larger scale, the larger multifamily, and the larger syndications with multiple partners. Well, not really particularly a bad way to start out. And certainly a lot of people start out that way. But you you had just mentioned that the reason you did that was really because you had this limiting belief that you had to go it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that <clears throat> certainly is one reason that many of us start off with smaller units because we have that limiting belief that we have to do it all alone. But as you've gone along the way, not only have you challenged that particular limiting belief, but you also say that you have challenged that belief that you have to invest locally and that also another limiting belief you you mentioned is that real estate returns are similar in all markets. So talk to us about those particular beliefs and why those are limitations. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So my early career years were spent in Silicon Valley. After college, I went there to work in high tech and I spent many years there actually after college. And in Silicon Valley, of course, real estate prices are very high and there's it's very difficult to find cash flowing properties. And so to invest in real estate there, you've really got to count on appreciation. Now, in hindsight, the appreciation there has been phenomenal, but I didn't feel comfortable making what I thought was essentially a gamble, a bet on house prices rising. And so I looked at the local market and said, you know, real estate's not that interesting to me. And I made this this gross assumption, this this invalid assumption, as it turns out, that all real estate markets are similar. So looking around where I was in Silicon Valley, no cash flow, I figured, okay, real estate just isn't really a cash flowing asset. I'll go look elsewhere. And so I put my money in, in different asset classes, mostly in the stock market for many years because of that limiting belief. Uh, it wasn't until many years later, uh, actually, when my wife and I made the decision that we were planning to move out of Silicon Valley to Texas, that I exposed myself to other real estate markets, that I started learning about uh, real estate in a, in a more general sense and understanding that markets behave differently, that have different characteristics, uh, in particular, that a lot of markets do have substantial cash flow and that there's trade-offs to be made in choosing a market, whether you're aiming more for cash flow or appreciation. And you can really uh, slide the scale back and forth depending on where you want to invest and what kind of neighborhoods and so forth. Uh, at its heart, that was a, another limiting belief that I had that, that once I overcame, it really changed my attitude and perspective towards investing in real estate. So you've been through a lot of different things, business owner, entrepreneur, project uh, program manager, and also you have gone into development. 
And just take us, Joel, just kind of through this trajectory from single family operator to syndicator to developer, and just give us some concept as to why it is you have actually transitioned through that process. Sure. So uh, it it had a lot to do with the people I met and the things I learned from them along the way. So as I said, early in my investing career, after I started investing in real estate, I started learning about syndication. Initially, I was learning about syndication through meetups that I was attending. There was one particular meetup that I was attending that was run by a group of four tech workers who lived in California. California, where I lived, uh, but were investing in Texas. And they were running syndications to buy large-scale multifamily properties. And these meetups they were running, they would explain what they were doing, uh, one aspect or another. They would talk about asset management or capital raising or uh, hiring a property manager and so forth. And, and so as, as I was attending these meetups, I was learning about their investing experience, but also about the syndication business model. And so initially, I invested in one of their deals, uh, actually a couple of their deals, and then other syndicators that I liked to work with and invest in in their deals, but strictly as a passive investor, as a limited partner, really as, as partly as an investment for myself. I, I did want those assets in my portfolio, but also as a way to learn about the syndication model and about the, the real estate business at scale. And, and so those, those investments proved, they paid off quite nicely in terms of the educational content for me. Uh, they also gave me a good return. But for me, like I said, the, the important part was the, the learning. So as I learned about syndication, I also uh, developed relationships with some of these syndicators I was working with, eventually took on a, a larger role with one of the syndicators that I had connected with initially as a, a, a key principal signing on the loan and helping a little bit with the transaction here and there, but all, but otherwise in a fairly limited role, just to, almost like an internship, you might call it, uh, again, to learn, to, to understand the, the business model and uh, how to get into it. Eventually, I shifted my focus into capital raising, helped capital raise for a couple of other general partners, and then started doing my own deals. And then as far as uh, uh, shifting from value-add multifamily into development, that's a more recent adjustment that I've made. And again, that was through the connections that I've made from meetups and other events. Met a couple of folks who have been doing development as a family business for many, many years, uh, but they'd been doing it at a fairly small scale had never raised capital. And I was able to bring capital raising both as an expertise and as a as a way to connect with other people to help them scale up. So they went from doing, let's say, an 18 or 20 acre parcel to you know dozens of acres mm-hmm. with uh, uh, maybe a couple of hundred units on the property. Uh, in fact, our first project together, which we're still involved in, is a 200 townhome development project in a suburb of Austin, about half an hour south of the city, where we're taking a 20 acre piece of bare land where we're Re- rezoning it with the with the city that it's in, and uh, hoping soon to break ground and uh, build a, a town community there. So, mm-hmm. again, my shift in de- development was based on the people that I met and the opportunities that arose. And now I'm trying to do a a, a mix of both multi value add multifamily and multifamily development. Not just because it's interesting to me, but also it's a good way to, for me to diversify my portfolio and my income streams. Um, Since then, I've I've added yet one more element to my investment portfolio. I'm now running an Airbnb. The first short-term, the first single-family residence that I bought in the Austin area had a long-term tenant in it up until a few months ago. Mm -hmm. That tenant moved out and I decided to shift it into short-term rentals. uh, And I did a remodel on that put it on the on the Airbnb platform and we're now taking guests. So learning about yet another element of the real estate business and uh, developing a, another way to diversify my my portfolio. 
I'm curious, Joel, your background in uh, tech engineering and uh, limited <clears throat> partnerships don't seem to be a real foundation for someone going into capital raising. So how did you make that transition from a limited partner and from a tech engineer into developing that expertise as a capital raiser? Yeah. So like I said, I was connecting with people who had a lot more experience than me in the syndication model. And so that helped me develop the skills. At the same time, I was letting people that I know, letting them know that I was moving in this direction, that I was working on real estate deals, that you know, I would share with them a little bit about uh, what the deals were and how they were going, what my role was, what the opportunities for investment were, and really just you know making sure people understood. And there it was almost like a market positioning exercise where I had to shift people's perception of me from a tech, from a program manager in engineering to a real estate investor. And so I just did that through you know talking with folks, meeting new people who uh, were also working on real estate deals, a little bit of social media, uh, post things that I was doing on LinkedIn or Facebook. And that just helped, uh, again, the positioning in people's minds of what I was doing and, and what skills I had. Enlightened investors, if you haven't done so already, be sure and click that like button and also click that share so others can take advantage of the content. And finally, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single one of our upcoming episodes. So just kind of a relationship building, really kind of a naturalistic transformation mm -hmm. um, yeah. through relationships there. 17,000 doors you have invested in in limited partnerships. So that looks to me like that really is probably your primary focus. So I guess you're still staying with that as a limited partner. So what do you as a limited partner, uh, what are some of the, a lot of people in our, a lot of people on our show are actually limited partners. So tell us what are the most fundamental things that a limited partner needs to be aware of and looking for when when they are looking at uh, potential investments? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I guess I would say for someone who is a limited partner or wants to be a limited partner or is thinking about it, first, I would look inward to understand what are my goals? What do I want to achieve with any particular investment? And how does that fit with the rest of my portfolio? What's my level of risk tolerance? You know, these are not risk-free investments. There are risks associated with any syndication and the risks are different from one deal to another, especially as you transition, let's say, from between asset classes or between business strategies from value add to development. <clears throat> Those risks are very different. The risks are different from one market to another, from one neighborhood to another. And so you've got to think about that. What's what's your tolerance for risk? Uh, what's the tolerance? What's the timeline on which you want to make investments? For anyone who's thinking about being a limited partner, most deals have, let's say, a three three to seven year time horizon where the money is completely inaccessible. It's not a liquid investment. There might be some cash flow that comes back from it, uh, depending on the, the business strategy and the, the execution. But uh, really, that whatever money is invested is going to stay sunk invested for several years. And so it's money that the investor really has to be ready to uh, not touch for, for a long time and, and be willing to be out of control as a limited partner. You don't have any decision authority. The general partners are going to make the decisions not only day to day about what to do with the property, you know, what sort of renovations, who to hire and fire and so forth, but also disposition of the property, when and whether to sell. And so whether that's a, a three-year time horizon or a seven-year or longer, 
is going to be in the hands of the general partners in their judgment, what makes the most sense. And, and so these are all things that anyone who's thinking about being becoming a limited partner needs to be ready to take into their portfolio is an illiquid investment that uh, you know may or may not provide cash flow that has risks and on which you have no control. Those are all significant downsides and not trivial. And I try to emphasize that to my investors. Uh, on the other hand, it can you know, they can come back with, uh, with very positive outsized returns, especially in, in the development world, say, uh, the risks are high, but also the returns can be very high. And and so for someone who maybe has a diversified portfolio, some of these deals can be a nice supplement, a, a way to goose returns uh, while taking on a little bit more risk or diversifying across different uh, asset classes. Let's say someone who's got a portfolio that's mostly stocks, maybe they could benefit from exposure to real estate because stocks and real estate don't move in the same direction all the time. So these are things to consider first, looking inward, then looking outward, what deals specifically make sense. Um, and and for me, the most important element of a deal is the syndicator. Who's running the deal? Who's making those decisions? Who's operating it day to day? Look to the to the track record. Look to the experience, the skills. Look to your relationship with the syndicator. You know, syndications tend to be what I would call retail investing as opposed to wholesale investing. Of you know, if you buy a stock, you really don't expect to interact with the executives of the the company that you're buying stock in. That's just not something that happens. I'm not you know, if I buy 50 shares of Facebook, I'm not going to be calling up Mark Zuckerberg asking how things are going or giving him advice. But if somebody's investing in one of my syndications, I'll happily take a phone call from them and I'll. Chat with them about our business strategy and, and hear their input. And so it's there's a potential, I think, for much tighter relationships with syndicators uh, between the limited partners and the general partners. So that's another thing that I would look to as a, as a limited partner is what sort of relationship do I want and expect to have with the syndicator? And is that realistic? Do I know that person? Do I trust them? Do I trust them to make these decisions with the money that they now control, my money that, that they control? So these are all things that would go into it. Then, you know, you look at the deal itself. What What's the market? You know, what's the location? of the deal? What's the business strategy? What kind of neighborhood is it in? Do the numbers make sense? Different limited partners have different capacities for analyzing these things. You know, if you're handy with a spreadsheet, you can look at the underwriting and see if you believe the numbers. But if you're not, really, it's all about trusting the syndicator. And so I'd fall back to that. What's the relationship and the trust level there? Well, good advice, Joel. Well, take a moment here and share with us what it is that you offer uh, to our audience and how it is that they can get in touch with you to take advantage of that. Oh, yeah, uh, fantastic question. So uh, yeah, I, I do a fair number of deals. I think I did four or five last year. I hope to do another half dozen this year. I have a website, lakelineproperties.com, L-A-K-E-L-I-N-E, lakelineproperties.com. People can go there and, and see what I'm up to and look at the investments that I'm already involved in. I'm happy to have people reach out directly to me. They can either uh, use the contact form on, on my website or email me directly, joel at lakelineproperties.com. And uh, you know, I can connect directly with folks to tell them what kind of deals I'm involved in. Most of the deals that I do require a personal individual relationship. I have to know that investor. I have to have a sense of what their investment objectives and wherewithal is so that I can make an educated judgment as to whether one of my deals is appropriate for that investor. And of course, the investor is going to want to make a judgment about me to see whether I'm appropriate for their portfolio. So yeah, if somebody's interested, and, and wants to learn more, they, they can reach out to me and uh, we can set up a, a meeting, a Zoom call, a coffee, whatever, and you know talk about uh, goals and, and objectives. Do you have opportunities for non-accredited investors? I do. Yeah. Those are called 506C syndications. And some of your audience may understand what that means, but basically that's, that's what I was referring to when I said that investors need to have a personal individual relationship with the syndicator in order to be eligible to invest. That's an SEC regulation. And so if I did have one open now, I couldn't talk about it on this way 
this podcast because I can't share it in a broad audience. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm, I'm open to having those conversations with folks who might want to learn more. Well, great. And all of that information is will be in our show notes. Well, Joel, just one last question. If you can share with us one of your biggest setbacks in life and tell us what that was, how you came through that, and what did you learn from that? Hmm. Let's see. Biggest setbacks in life. I guess I would say back in around 2000, 2001, I had joined a startup in Silicon Valley uh, working on some new networking gear. Uh, it was a very exciting, heady time. It was before the there was a major dot-com crash uh, right around that time. And the startup that I was a part of was one of the victims of that crash. And so it, it pretty much disappeared. So I lost my job, lost my income, had four young kids at the time. And that was a real challenge, both uh, personally and financially. But really, it, it turned out to be a, a great opportunity for me because it allowed me to sort of reset my career, change my perspective, and rethink, you know, how do I want to approach life, my career, my skill base? And I really changed my trajectory after that, tried some new things, connected with my kids in a different way. The next job I have had after that, I made sure it was much more flexible and, and didn't consume as much of my time as the startup had. You know, I was working 70, 80 hour weeks at the startup. And so really didn't connect much with my kids, didn't have uh, great relationships with them. And uh, once I left the startup and uh, adjusted my lifestyle, uh, that really changed my relationship with my family and, and you know set me on a different path. So it was a setback for sure. But on the other hand, it opened some doors that would never have been opened had did not happen. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Joel. And thanks so much for being with us today. It's been a pleasure having you. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Enlightened investors, don't go yet. I have just a couple of quick requests. You know the drill. Like, share, and subscribe. But we also need your help to build our audience. So please go to your favorite podcast app and leave us a five-star rating and review. I'll be most grateful. Until next time, prosper and live abundantly. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steed Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steed Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steed Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at steedtalker.com.